Speaking of which, I have, and maybe this should just go ahead and be our cold open, because I have a mea culpa here that was uh, called out. A big one. Basically everywhere. Um, <laughs> okay, folks, I I have I am readily admit that I was wrong last episode when I said the song "Somebody's Watching Me" was by Michael Jackson. It is not by Michael Jackson. It is by the artist Rockwell. Rockwell. By the artist Rockwell. But, but, Michael Jackson and Jermaine Jackson sing background vocals. So, it's not like it was 100% wrong. It just was like 90% wrong. In your defense, it's a common mistake if you haven't really looked into the song. Because it's a popular song. It's played around Halloween all the time. And everyone makes that mistake until someone corrects them. Well, so I looked into this even a little bit further because the reason that I had gotten it wrong initially is I'd <laughs> done a quick Google and a video, t- that, a YouTube video that was tagged to Michael Jackson was the top result. So I was, mm. I just ran with it quickly. Misled. So then I went and researched it more and it turns out that this song was made like popular again in, I think it was like, honestly, the early 2010s. It was like, a, and it was on a album that was like a compilation album for Halloween called, I believe, Fear, that had a lot of Michael Jackson songs on it. And it was like branded as like a Michael mm-hmm. Jackson Halloween album, and this song was on that album. And so I believe that is why it is so frequently confused with Michael Jackson, in addition to his vocals being in the song. But I know a lot of people are very check upset your sources, about this. Folks. You know, Lesson learned. Medela for me. All right. <laughs> with that, let's, uh, let's, let's get the show on Absolutely. the road. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to This American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast about the FX hit show American Horror Story. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host. Chris Husted. What's up, everyone? I don't know what that voice was. What's up? Happy Wednesday. Happy episode two. (laughs) Now, I believe this episode was called Mr. Jingles. Mm -hmm. Um, That's what I'd written down. I feel like... It I don't know if that really was an appropriate song for Mr. Jingles. It seems, you know, jumping way ahead, it seems like we're getting a little bit of Mr. Jingles backstory next episode. Yeah, that's what so I thought too. Maybe I don't not the why. most appropriate yeah. title for this episode, but who knows? Maybe there's more going on here than we realize. Um, I have a theory. Oh, good. Well, is this a theory you want to say up front or a theory you want to say later? Sure. I think Mr. Jingles might have been one of the focus points of or focal points of this episode, but not the Mr. Jingles we think is Mr. Jingles. I think, oh, I want to dive into that more later. Okay. Because I I think that is good, and I, I have some thoughts about that too. Before we begin, as always, we encourage people to come and check us out on Facebook and join our discussions at facebook.com slash American Horror Story. In a moment, I'm going to go into some of the uh, different theories and thoughts that were shared by some listeners that I thought were really good, uh, both on Facebook and over email at thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com. You can email us there as well. And please rate us, review us on iTunes. We sincerely appreciate that. Before I dive into some of these thoughts, uh, Chris, what are you drinking on this not-so-crisp oh, yeah. September evening? <laughs> I got a glass of Cabernet Sauvignon, and I also have a side of uh, kombucha right now. I thought that looked like a kombucha. Good for you. Mm-hmm. Getting all I'm your probiotics. I bet mm-hmm. you are. <laughs> what are you drinking? I'm drinking bourbon. There's no cider in it as of yet, but once October rolls around, so I guess mm-hmm. next week, basically, uh, you yeah. know I'll be all about that bourbon and cider. <laughs> That's so when delicious. you really know it's American Horror Story season. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so without further ado, let's dive into some of these real quick before we get into this specific episode. Um, I don't remember which of these was on Facebook or via email, so forgive me for that portion. That's not what's really important here. Um, Rachel commented uh, a couple thoughts, um, but the most interesting one that I liked is just she was pointing out that in Scream Queens, Billy Lord's character wore earmuffs because an old boyfriend wanted to chop off her ears, and she was worried oh, that's right. to come do it again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, forgot I forgot about, about that. that as well. Oh, that's a good little nod. It is. So funny, obviously, that that's Jingle's... Uh, Trophy. Yes. It's collecting ears. Uh, Joe pointed out, I guess he somehow found um, the fashion designer on Instagram who makes the Mr. Jingles coats. Hmm. 
And this wow. guy, it appears, was selling off the coats from the show, and there was multiple coats in different sizes. Mm. The implication, I would suppose, being potentially uh, in line with your theory that maybe there's more than one Mr. Jingles. Mm-hmm. Potentially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Josh pointed out that in episode one, the opening credits were very similar to the movie The Faculty. Which I think we had pointed out, <laughs> we thought it seemed kind of saved by the bellus, but I think it is also very much the faculty. Um, also, he had shared, I believe, on Facebook that uh, Leslie Grossman tweeted that the way her character Margaret keeps her glasses on is by hanging them off of her ear nub. <laughs> that was a big question for us last last week. I so. like that she answered the question. Some clarity. I'm sure. More, I'm that. assuming more. A lot of people have the same question we did, but S- sounds it's like important. It. Yeah, uh, Jackie pointed out two things: that Mr. Jingles was the name of the mouse in the Green Mile, and it was also the name of a 2006 horror movie. Uh, and in both mm. of these movies, uh, the kind of story story centered around men who were in prison for crimes they didn't commit. So, is that a you know, nod toward, you know, Mr. Jingle's backstory, potentially? Was he sent to uh, the asylum for a crime he didn't commit? I don't know. I don't know. I feel like a, it's possible. a lot of American Horror Story villains are just set up so we can have backstories on them. Again, really hoping we don't get the sympathetic Mr. Jingle's backstory. I mean, he's really... So did Twisty, though. Um, but he's, like, really unmercilessly slaughtering people at this point. So, you know... Yeah. Whatever happened to him, yeah. he's, he's a bad apple now. I wish there was a mask. That's true. Masks help. A mask, and mm-hmm. uh, that'd be more fitting for it. Maybe he'll wear a mask later on. Um, and finally, from Shirley, the she brought up the idea that you know, obviously, in so many of these movies, whether it's Michael Miles and his, or excuse me, Michael Myers and his sister, or Jason Voorhees and his mother, familial relationships are kind of a staple of these '80s slashers. Mm-hmm. So the implication being, maybe does Mr. Jingles have a family member, or is there some kind of kind of family relation that's going to play into this season that would kind of fit with the tropes that they're going for with kind of the '80s vibe? I definitely agree with that. Um, can I mention one more note that I saw that yeah. was sort of directed toward me? Um, Josh on Facebook sh- uh, shared a tweet that said Ryan Murphy saw a fan-made video for the 1984 title sequence and uh, contacted that fan and brought the fan on board to work on the actual title sequence for the 1984 season. I think that's pretty awesome. Not a, that is awesome, especially because you and I both seem to feel like this is, if a not really the one. best credit sequence, then one of the best credit sequences. I'm sure. super into it, yeah. Someday we should just do a rating of all the credit sequences without the season's attention. Oh, I like that. Maybe someday they'll, you know, since we're fans and we do this, they'll pull, pull us on board to host something interview them maybe do a yeah, panel maybe we need to work on our uh we do that already for our regular jobs our animation skills <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah the credit sequence wouldn't be our jam but you know who knows who knows without further ado then let's dive into mr jingles with the cold open do you want to tell the uh quick and rather depressing story of karen hopple Karen Hopple, poor Karen, we hardly knew you, but although we may know more about you next week, looks like we get a flashback because you're never really gone on American Horror Story. Yeah, she shows up at the camp, uh, tracks down Margaret because she's not picking up her phone, and says, hey, uh, Mr. Jingles is out, he's probably coming here, shut the camp down. Margaret says, no, God helps those who help themselves, pulls out her gun. Karen says, all right, girl, you're on your own, and then... uh, immediately gets a flat tire which we learned she runs over one of those uh uh, tire or road stars spikes yeah road spikes things um maintenance truck rolls up behind her we know better karen doesn't and uh she gets uh attacked essentially by mr jingles stomps her leg pulls her or pulls her out of the car stomps on her leg smashes her head with the star and cuts her ear off so bye karen (laughs) that close should have known better yeah, the the ear with the earring, oof, that was which that was gruesome. This was interesting that this shows us, and we've had, we had some comments about this too, where people have suggested they that we never see Mister Jingle's face when he's cutting the ear off, so it might not be him cutting the ear off. But this one, pretty certain, it's Mister Jingle's cutting off Karen's ear and another ear later on, most likely. But or actually, yeah. we don't know. But this one, this ear, yes, 
Yeah, do we know if Blake had his ear cut off? I'm trying to he remember. Did, he did, but we don't okay. see it getting cut off, I don't think. Yeah, no, I don't. No, they we discover don't, it later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a couple things of note in this opening scene that I was thinking about. First one being, Margaret is obviously super weird about Karen coming She's into so her weird. bedroom. <laughs> She's weird in general, but yeah. But it's like, it made it very evident that maybe she was hiding something, right? That mm-hmm. she's like, why are you yeah. coming into my bedroom? Yeah, um, Margaret's like, super shady. Uh, Margaret, Margaret was incredibly shady this episode. I think we can agree upon that. Um, we also learn, of course, that Mr. Jingles is driven by a revenge fantasy against Margaret. Mm-hmm. So we know, that Margaret, we know that Margaret testified against him in court, and that's what sent him to the asylum. So that would be, obviously, an inspiration for his revenge. Mm-hmm. But it really does make you wonder. I mean, I don't know. Margaret's awful suspicious, and I'll get to this later when we're talking about our friend uh, um, Joan, Jonah, Julian, Jonas, uh, Jonas. That's what I'm looking for, Jonas. But it seems like maybe I don't know. There's a possibility here that Margaret was there's something up. the one the one who was cutting ears off and somehow framed Mr. Jingles. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking that too. That seems that seems like a possibility. We'll, we can go into that further as we go on. A final thing being, Mr. Jingle says something to Karen when he's killing her. Um, also, note that we learned that she was the chief of psychology at the asylum, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but we learn that some, he says something to her like, you were right when you called me a monster or something like that. So maybe that's an allusion to what we're going to learn a little bit more about in, in next episode when we kind of right, get flashbacks about... to his time in the asylum. Right, at least about um, Mr. Richter. Maybe not Mr. Jingles, but Richter. Right, yes. his Benjamin Richter. Real name. Mm -hmm. Now, for the rest of this episode, I'm going to kind of divide it into a couple different sections. With saving the last part, um, the last part is going to be the scene between Margaret and the Night Stalker, which I kind of wanted to save and talk about last. (laughs) Oh, Lord, yeah. If you forgot you were watching American Horror Story, that whole sequence definitely reminded you. <laughs> so I want we'll to talk first about so where we left off last episode versus where we start this episode. Now I believe mm-hmm. the cliff. Correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't the cliff? Hang, excuse me, cliffhanger from last episode. Brooke looking at the Night Stalker while she's at the telephone. I. That's what I thought too. That she got off the phone and or she sees him when she's on the payphone. But we cut immediately too but like there's no chase or anything we immediately start with her back in the cabin right and so it really makes you wonder at first at least they make you wonder whether this is an unreliable narrator situation and she kind of is like having you know visions of the night stalker and she's just so nervous and worried about it that it's not real of course we learn very soon the night stalker really is there so it's it's not entirely clear what happened in this situation. It could maybe it's both of these things. You know what I mean? Yeah. My other thought is it could be one of those funny inconsistencies that you will see in some of these movies where, you know, let's rem- let's remind ourselves also this is still supposed to be the first night they're there, right? Mm-hmm. So at this point, you like in, in these 80s slasher films, you see people pair off or peel off and go do things and then come back and everyone's hanging out together. Um, I'm pretty sure last episode we were ending, Montana was passed out in all her clothes with a knife under her pillow. Uh, the guys weren't even anywhere to be seen. And then we immediately cut back to the to episode two and they're all partying again. Like they all woke up and after this phone call happened, I don't know, nothing makes sense on like when people, time-wise, when people are going and doing these uh, extra curricular activities away from the group and they're coming back. And let's not forget also... Uh, uh, Montana and Trevor went skinny dipping already, and their hair is dry. Like I don't like what it's. It, uh, that's, that, it's that was Trump. So that was thirty minutes ago, that. Chris. That was thirty yeah, minutes right. ago. Okay. Right. Right. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I think this is. I mean, in some ways, yeah. And an element of these eighty slashers is is definitely kind of the the humor of it too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and you definitely get moments of that in this episode. So you're, that. you're mm-hmm. totally right that like, like maybe it. that's just a as something we're playing with. It's like the concept of these nights that never end. You know, you've got like mm-hmm. you know seventy two hour nights basically where they go on forever. Yep. But we do see so so let's so she saw possibly saw the night stalker at, when she was at the uh, payphone, but then. 
the TV pops on, right, and there's a news report that they are the gas station attendant or the mechanic was murdered, and they're attributing it to the Night Stalker. Right, so they've already found uh, Ed. Um, Ray? The, the me- I'm assuming this is the mechanic we were talking about last episode, Patrick Swayze's yeah, brother. Patrick Swayze's brother. Who, <laughs> yeah, who, who got really brutally smashed by the car, uh, and then curb stomped, I believe. And so mm-hmm. they someone already found him, and they're already reporting on that. So so that's have I mean we that that timeline was a little confused too because it, they kind of did them not parallel to each other, but one after the other, if we remember correctly. So it, it's right. not entirely clear how early in the evening that Mister Jingles killed Ed. There's a lot of time inconsistencies here that I think. I'm hoping play into a larger plot device or point chronologically speaking. Right. And if we're talking this, line up. Well, and this is a summer camp, right? So if we're talking about summer camp, we're talking mm-hmm. about the summer solstice being the longest nights of the year. So typically not getting dark till just a little bit after 10 o'clock in most parts of the country. And so this is all, you know, most of this stuff is happening after 10 o'clock. It's, it's gotta be like what? One thirty, two o'clock a.m. By the time this episode ends, at least. I guess so. It's hard to tell because I mean, what time do you think uh, Margaret would go at a camp? Turn off all the electricity. <laughs> turn off all yeah, the power. Yeah, I, you know, I guess they're conserving. It's kind of late to do that. Yeah, <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> well, the kids aren't there yet, so you know, given the counselors. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah, a little bit. Show up in the morning. But not really, because uh, she comes and splits everybody up. Um, mm-hmm. We have a little over. bit of moment between Montana and um, Brooke, Brooke, where we, we learn a couple things about Montana's background. Uh, we hear her talk about being sent to fat camp as a kid, and it sounds like that was traumatic for her. Um, and then, of course, she, at the end of the sequence, makes a move on Brooke, and Brooke just mm-hmm. isn't into it, and that's what ends up sending her down to the docks. We also get uh, Brooke's back backstory, which is something we talked about there, you know, wondering about what was going on with her ring and feeling like she was hiding something in her past. So, again, all these characters' backstories are going to come to play. I bet you every episode we get some characters' backstory a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. But, of course, we learned that just, it, yeah, just one year ago, oh, yeah, this, this was classic 80s and in the best way. Brooke was married. Uh, she Getting was married. married. Getting married to Joey. Joey believes that Brooke's cheating. Joey, I would like to point out, Joey Sam Kavanaugh is the last name they chose for him, which I think is not something that should be overlooked. I'm not sure accidental. That there's a, a, a joke there. Political shade there. A little Brett Kavanaugh joke, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Joey doesn't believe that Sam and Brooke weren't uh, getting it on the night before the wedding and proceeds to go fucking nuts and kill... It's both Sam and out. Brooke's father, I believe it was, and then shoots himself yep. as White Wedding plays in the background. Right. I, as soon as this happened, I, mean, I was going like, yes. Because, <laughs> you know, we think it's going to be like, like again, we're, we're watching Julia Roberts' niece in this scene. And in a wedding scene, Julia Roberts has, like, been in a lot of wedding movies. She's a, was America's sweetheart for a long time. So you think this is going to be kind of cute and fun, like Pretty Woman. Well, that wasn't that cute. Run, runaway Bride? Runaway Bride. Yeah. Best Friend's Wedding also didn't end the way it showed at a wedding that Julia... Anyway, what I'm saying is romantic comedy. So we think this is just going to be, like, a sad thing. Turns out it's a triple homicide. No, double homicide and a suicide. It was right? nuts. It was classic... Great American horror story. Well, and wedding dress covered in blood is kind of a, a trope of some mm-hmm. kind, and you know, you almost got a little bit with it all over her face, like kind of a, a slight carry vibe right there too. Mm-hmm. Also, worth pointing out that if Joey was this, it doesn't really. I mean, whether or not Brooke and Sam were getting it on, obviously, doesn't matter because Joey was clearly fucking nuts, and so it's probably a good thing she didn't end up going through with uh, that yeah. marriage after all. But not in. Uh, the way it ended, so so feel kind of bad for Brooke and her very traumatic end of her marriage. But yeah, that yeah. was that was a pretty fun sequence. So how did you feel about Emma Roberts acting throughout that? I thought it was great. It was fun. It was campy. It was silly. It was it worked. The whole sequence I thought was great. I think she's doing a pretty good job so far. She's doing. A pretty I good think job. so too. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, meanwhile, you know, our, our horny dudes are uh, on their way to the showers, doling out which guy gets which girl, deciding who's <laughs> going to have to have to take on Chef Margaret. Birdie, who we haven't seen oh, in a Oh, Birdie, while. yeah. <laughs> I think she's the only person at the camp we didn't see this episode, right? So right. She's, just out, she's just off snoozing somewhere. Just, she went to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, question for you. Do we know, Does did Margaret actually say that she is shutting off the power to conserve energy or is this just like a weirdo thing she does i think it was i think it was a weirdo thing i don't remember her mentioning that she was going to do that i remember her saying boys shower at night girls shower in the morning and then leaving but i don't remember her telling them that power was going off right seems unsafe it does seem unsafe (laughs) then of course we get a little bit of additional background on xavier uh, as he's grabbed by Blake, a lot of random ass people showing up to the camp this late at night. Yeah, <laughs> in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. You will remember that Blake from the creepy voicemail. I think he left Xavier when he called the uh, his his voicemail box from the payphone at the gas station last episode. But it sounds like some backstory on Xavier. He was a druggie. Blake took him in and basically rehabbed him in exchange for getting him to do gay porn. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so Xavier tries to instead sell out Trevor, I'm guessing, uh, to, to be the next big star for right. Blake's uh, production company. Right. So that way, because no Blake won't let him go. Right. He's, he says he's like, he calls Xavier like he's you're my like Rembrandt, which is kind of yeah. funny. But um, yeah, but then, yeah, he's, he's like, what if I can get you someone better? And then, of course, we all know where he's going. And mm-hmm. of course, they're all showering. So, of course, we know where they're going. Well, and this was kind of an 80s throwback, too. Someone peeping through the eye hole at the shower. Yep. This reminded me of the, like, the Porky's, Porky's movies. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> exactly. And then, of course, all the more fitting that he get that Mr. Jingle spikes him through the eye and the eye hole. Right. I will say, missed opportunity for some nudity. I'm surprised that we didn't get a butt, you know, from, from this show. In, I mean, a, in a three dudes in a shower scene. We got a lot of wet abs, that's for sure. Yeah, we get some slow-mo some water so- dripping. Soapy, soapy abs, yeah. <laughs> no butts though. <laughs> this is this is not just a uh, you know religious camp. It's also a very fit camp. Everybody here is, is in excellent yeah, shape. They're all very athletic. I mean, I guess they're aerobics trainers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the the lake, we do see a body rise from the lake. Did we catch whose body this is? Is this whose Karen? body is, is this, it? Yeah. I first thought it was Blake's, but I and I paused and rewound and I could not figure it out. So if if any of our listeners ID'd who that body was, please. The only other person I thought it could be is uh, Jonas, our hitchhiker. But you know, just I mean, it could have been Karen if he had taken Karen back from when he, you know, oh, that's a good point. and like yeah. brought her back and yeah. threw her in the lake. But that's it's a lot of effort to, to get her to come and drift over by the dock. I don't know. Yeah, mm-hmm. but while she's well, yeah, the dock's happening. Night Stalker shows up again. Right, Night Stalker shows up again. This time he is real. I th- I didn't know. I thought maybe they were gonna go with her having another vision. I, I thought they were gonna maybe play out Brooke mm-hmm. having like a you know false visions of him for a while. But this mm-hmm. all of course seems very real already. Um, as we know, because other people like Margaret end up right. seeing him. But as you know, the way that she gets away. Is because our friend from the infirmary, Jonas, who we believe had gotten killed last episode by the Night Stalker and hung from the back of a door, but then disappeared. Right. Suddenly appears again, and Night Stalker kills him again, and then another time. Yeah. And so uh, I, when he go so ahead. when he runs into when he runs into the Night Stalker, I, we can call him that. I, I like calling him that above Richard, but whatever. Yeah. He says like, "You're not supposed to be here," and then right before he dies, he's like, "Wait, I don't die here." So mm-hmm. that's the first, like, okay, something's up here with Jonas. And right. the Night Stalker also picks up on this. So it's we know something's fishy, and this is the next layer of American Horror Story storytelling coming through. Right. So obviously, you know, Night Stalker goes to Margaret after that. But before we get to any of that part, and yeah. then also follow the, the kind of whatever happens to everybody else. <sighs> I am curious to hear your thoughts on what is quickly becoming a paranormal a um, <laughs> angle to this story, which is something I think we'd kind of hoped wouldn't happen initially, and I'm wondering how you're feeling about how it's playing out in this particular episode. 
you know, if everyone ends up being in some sort of purgatory or reliving their life in a loop, that could be kind of fun. And some movies have done that pretty well. There's a movie called The Triangle that I think is really good. It's on Netflix. I believe it's on Netflix still. It might be. I, anyway, it's a good one, but it's kind of reliving a certain thing over and over and over, and you're trying to learn something from it, kind of like um, Groundhog Day, things like that. But um, so it can be done. Uh, but I think American Horror Story might do it more. One or two characters are doing this, and then that's just their storyline because we can't have it too coherent. <laughs> we have to have little bits and pieces of stories of different types of. Um, narratives happening with different experiences and in this case I think Jonas's experience will relate to Margaret the most but um, there's going to be something that is learned from his looping or -hmm. his coming back to life or not being able to cross over or whatever it might be we have a lot of Jesus and the devil like um, um, overtones when it comes to light and dark and religion Christianity in particular so I think there's going to be that that's going to get played up into why people are reliving their deaths. I I would assume. And I, that's an interesting point. I was actually going to save this for our talk about Margaret and Night Stalker, but I'm going to bring it up now mm-hmm. because you make a good point. The way that they the way that Margaret talks about religion like light and dark is not on a spectrum of light and dark. It's in mm-hmm. a circle. It's in a circle to the point where at a certain point light and dark come around and in and meet you know what i mean when she talks mm-hmm. about you can use god to justify whatever you end up doing kind of exactly which is quite the argument that people make for incredibly conservative christians mm-hmm. which is far beyond this uh uh series to not go there right totally i mean politics is is brian murphy's jam in so many instances two things that i want to Mm-hmm. bring up related to this kind of paranormal aspect and I'm not sure how I feel about them. Well, I am sure how I feel about one of them. First is this better not be a thing where people die and come back to life constantly. This that was is, my first thought. This is obviously the never-ending American Horror Story trap is that, oh, we've got good actors. We can't just kill them off. We have to, yeah. we have to keep using them. And so we bring them back. And so there are no stakes right. ever and death doesn't matter in American Horror Story because you can always come back. Right. I far prefer, honestly, I prefer bringing them back via flashback than I do them still being alive in one form or another. Mm-hmm. So let's hope that this is specific to our friend Jonas and not something we see with some of these other characters in the span mm-hmm. of the night. The second thing I will say is that if it does end up being something that's similar to past seasons where, you know, say Murder House, where we have ghosts that come back, that would indicate that the camp or, or the, the camp territory is potentially, I believe, what they called an apocalypse. Was it a hellmouth? Or like a, basically, mm. you know, one of those... Because Murder House, I believe, they called a hellmouth. And it was like an entrance to, or, or like a, a, a... Like an opening to hell, basically, where there's like a, a break in the moral world and the spiritual world or whatever. So that would then have there. There'd be some other kind of interesting, weird spiritual going ons with the camp, potentially. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Maybe all those murders that happened before ripped it open into a hellmouth. Hard to say. Something to think about, I guess, as we move forward. But it, some interesting stuff there. Obviously, I'm. I have some trepidation in, in that realm well, when it comes to the paranormal. Of course, you do. You've seen the show for yeah nine seasons. But you know, we'll we'll see what happens there. I'm. Reserving judgment for the next couple episodes until we get a better feel for it. Back to camp. I just want to say that I really enjoyed Nurse Rita jamming to I'll Take You Down, which is, I believe, a song by the Pointer Sisters, which I'll always remember most prominently. Wasn't it Jump? It sounds like the Van Halen song. I thought it was Jump. Was it not? Uh Uh-oh, people are going to get mad at us. (laughs) Oh, it is called Jump. The lyrics are I'll Take You Down. That's yeah okay. The, the song is called Jump, but it's the lyrics. Are, I'll yeah. take you down. I'll take you down. Um, but it is the Pointer Sisters. But I I always remember it from Love Actually when Hugh Grant dances down oh, the yeah. stairs. Yeah 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 mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, I forgot about that scene. Yeah, that's pretty iconic too. That's funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's the origin. <laughs> but of course, because it was so eighty three or eighty four. But she's you know, she's jamming out when Jingle shows up behind her. But luckily, she escapes. We don't know the details of her escape though. Mm-hmm. So anytime we don't see somebody escape from. Mr. Jingles, another bad guy. I think we should keep in mind that that's fishy. 
Mm-hmm. I agree. Because um, she we, also she comes is, out with an injury. Also, like, where did that come from? Well, let's remember she's responsible for them then crashing the van that would have been their getaway car. Oh, uh, that's right. That's and can't right. find her keys. So Rita, not saying Rita's you know involved, but we should be pointing out suspicious behavior everywhere. Um. Let's see. We are coming to the point here where uh, everybody splits up, but it doesn't happen quite yet. We kind of follow Rita till she comes out there. Meanwhile, the rest of the group has already found Blake. They hear Mr. Jingles and are running for it. We get a couple things here. I'm only continuing to note all the backstory stuff because I do feel like in these 80s movies, backstory really plays, of characters really plays a role in these types of things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, for instance, Chet admitting that he did actually do the steroids, I think, is, is worth right thinking about he also i believe at some point montana's like yeah we fucking know (laughs) he mentions that his olympic sport is the pommel horse pommel horse so he's a gymnast so he's a gymnast which Which kind of makes sense because he looks kind of (laughs) short yeah so that kind of fits you know also the car not working right away is such a uh, total cliche love it you knew it was gonna happen we all knew Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm I also enjoyed them splitting up because it felt very Scooby-Doo of them, too. I know that they do it in normal movies, but I always think of Scooby-Doo, where it's like, you know... Shaggy and Scoob, you go that way. The rest of us are going this way. <laughs> yeah. like, I don't think those are good teams. That doesn't <laughs> Who seem very fair. This? It's, always, it's always Fred. Fred was an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, in a minute, so at the very end, we'll talk about how things end with kind of the two parallel cabins with our split-up groups. I mean, but I wanted to last talk about Night Stalker and Margaret, because this is a weird yeah. kind of scene. Um, this, Margaret comes yeah. back to her cabin to find the Night Stalker just kind of hanging out. Um, seems that he's come to ask her about Jonas and try to figure out what's going on. He's, you know, he's kind of pulled yeah, out of pulls his out the... demonic haze when he sees somebody's being reincarnated. Yeah, he sees the uh, the he pulls the badge from Jonas, which doesn't disappear when Jonas disappears. So I don't know how he's able to keep that. Maybe it's like Freddy, when you go into the dream and you grab something when you wake up, you whatever you're holding, you pull that out of the dream. I don't know, but he Ooh, is like he that. has Jonas's um, like ID card from as a camp counselor from 1970, right? And who knew the power of listening would prevent a serial killer from killing you? Just listen to them. <laughs> So sweet of Margaret. It's that good question. What's your backstory? And he's like, I like you. Show me your feet. What the fuck? <laughs> I also like that she put on some good, you know, funk for some good. Yeah, music, <laughs> music set such a funny tone. Uh, like I rolled my eyes and there I was, was annoyed a with times it. But the music was weird here. It was great. The the music was also a weird time when Night Stalker was chasing Brooke through the woods, and then he kills Jonas, and then there's like there was a weird music interlude there too. Yeah. The, the way the there's music. Definitely comedy happening but this. there's something about the way the music's made that it again makes me come back to this theory that everyone's had that like maybe it isn't actually the 80s and it's not all that it seems I don't know there's something about it that makes you wonder mm-hmm. uh, anyway Margo listens to the Night Stalker's backstory about all his his pain that he's ever known um, worth saying that the uh, the Night Stalker's played, I believe, by Zach Zach Via, mm-hmm. who I think we'd said was on um, what's that show on Showtime that has oh Shameless. He, I think he, we mm-hmm. said he's on Shameless, but also of note, uh, he was engaged to Rachel Evan Wood for a while. I don't oh, know if okay. they, it's, from what I could tell, it seems like maybe they broke up. Evan Rachel Wood. What did I say? Rachel Evan Wood. Rachel Evan Wood. <laughs> oh, sorry, Evan Rachel. Oh, man, I'm getting all the names mixed up tonight. I apologize. Because you're old now, man. I know it's my brain's <laughs> rotting. Nine season of American um, Horror Story, you know, taking up space in there. Yeah, I think also Richard Ramirez, who was in the um, the season of Hotel, it's, it's it wasn't Zach who who played him then. There was a different actor playing Night Correct. Stalker at the dinner. Correct, I believe it was an older. It would have been an older version. Yeah, for the Devil's Night. Um, but for Devil's Night, I believe right. when we when we talked last time, I think you know, the Night Stalker continues to terrorize people for a while longer and ends up going up to the San Francisco area. But I don't think it's mm-hmm. that much longer. I only think it's like a couple more years. So right, I don't know. But point being, in if if this is the real life, it's supposed to be the real Night Stalker. We know he survives this. Yeah, you know, 
in actual real history, he survives whatever happens here. Right. So, okay. His motivation for talking to Margaret for this long is he's trying to get some information because now he's an investigator about why this guy keeps coming back to life. Mm -hmm. Fine. Okay. And Margaret apparently is the person who has the answers. She makes tea. (laughs) She's talking to him. Is her motivation, is she just trying to prevent him from killing her? Or does she actually feel like she's able to? Because I think her ultimate thing is she's trying to turn him to go kill Mr. Jingles, Jingles, right? That right, seems so we're getting, to be... here comes Freddy versus Jason, which we were talking about last episode. Yeah, that's that's funny because that does seem to be kind of what her when by the you know the way that she ends up explaining things and, and almost manipulating him. It, it oh, seems totally. like at the end she's like, "Okay, now go kill Mr. Jingles for me." Yeah, and nobody else. Mm-hmm. Please don't kill anybody else because that's not the good Christian thing. But you know, we can justify you killing right. Mr. Jingles. Yeah, and it was just, it was so contrived and weird and just didn't, there's no, I mean, obviously we suspend a lot of disbelief for these 80s horror movies, uh, but when we got into this sequence, it was just too, like, I was like, oh, come on, don't go there, you guys are doing a really good job so far, we're only an episode and a half in, keep keep it going, and then we got this whole thing, and it's fine. You know, you. I knew they would go there at some point, I was hoping they wouldn't happen too soon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd like to see a little more of the standard uh serial killer with a extra layer of in there but to immediately pit them against each other i don't know well i mean they're not yet against each other if we talk about how this episode ends but hold hold off for just a second in that regard yeah another thing i wanted to note is that in you know richard ramirez talks about his backstory and you know his mom huffing poison at the boot factory and his seizures mm-hmm. from the swing and everything. But the other thing is he talks about his cousin who's back from Vietnam showing him photos of the woman he's killed. And this is, although this time it's, you know, by proxy, this is the second character we're seeing basically being affected by the war in Vietnam mm-hmm. in this yeah, season. Agreed. So again, kind of playing off real life events and, and the way that that can induce trauma and kind of, I mean, funny enough, both of our killers who are at the camp then, you know, the Night Stalker and Mr. Jingles were both, you know, had Vietnam play a role in kind of their... Yep. Uh, Why they became serial killers. Yeah, I'm trying to let, I don't know if the word is coldness or kind of their um, oh, numbness yeah. to, to death and into murder. And then finally, you know, finishing up on Margaret's, Margaret's story for this particular episode, she goes and hunts down Jonas again. And we get Pretty a little background. Yeah. Um, he's just laying, laying there, I believe. He just... And, you know, we learned that he saw... So, a couple things here. So, she did she not see him when they brought him to camp before? I, I guess they brought him straight to... She did. That. No, she did. I oh, think she, she did. Okay, she she mm-hmm. did. And so, she was just pretending she didn't I think she did. Shit. That's a good point. Yeah. Now, oh now, now, we, need, now we need to go back and look. Because the way she talks about him is like, oh, she didn't... I mean, she could have she could have seen him last episode and had been pretending she hadn't seen him before. Regardless, mm-hmm. she recognizes him. Obviously, that's when, of course, we find out that he was from 1970 and is just you know a ghost from basically a victim of the murders at the camp. Except it's because he ran away from the murders. But he we he, we kind of see things from his vision of a bloody Margaret, and then you know he runs to the payphone and then runs and gets hit by Mister Jingle's car. But I don't know. If Mr. Jingles was the one who hit him in the truck, then who was the one killing the campers is the question. And it well, seems like maybe. Go ahead. One thing, because this is where I think Margaret is super suspicious. Um, he, Margaret asks him, you know, so who, you know, killed you or who knocked you out in the truck? And uh, she's like, was it Mr. Jingles? Did you see him? And he says, I heard him. So... And, and the way that they play what Jonas sees is he looks, he sees Margaret, young Margaret, like in her hair covered in blood and freaks out and starts running. And he feels guilty because he thinks he abandoned her because he like, obviously we, from what we hear, she goes on and testifies against Mr. Jingles. Right. Uh, but then he gets hit by the truck as he's running away and he hears the Jingles but he doesn't actually see Mr. Jingle's face. So the theory is he could have actually been seeing Margaret doing the murders or cutting the ears off or doing something. 
and she gets in the truck and you know essentially puts on basically. the jacket and tricks Jonas into thinking even but i don't know if she's going to kill him why does she care if he sees what she looks like so i don't know a theory yeah yeah i mean i think the point being from this episode that margaret is very suspicious and it seems like potentially she had some more active role in the murders than just being a victim yes and she does i think she definitely has some type of relationship that goes beyond whatever we think the superficial uh, value is of her relationship with mr jingles there's definitely something deeper there i mean we know mr jingles does cut off ears and she does not have an ear right so there's there is a question there his something i don't know his lover his i don't know who knows well i mean he's been in asylum for a while now yeah so yeah more to learn there um and then the episode of course ends with kind of these dual scenes brooke ray chet and rita in the infirmary looking for her rabbit keys and i believe the night stalker is approaching them where xavier uh, xavier montana and trevor are in the boys cabin with Jing- when Jingle starts banging on the door, and that's when, right. Of course, that's what I, that's what I was assuming too. Yeah, Richard's at the infirmary, and Mister Jingles is at the cabin. Mm-hmm. So I mean, kind of fun that we're ending with these. Yeah, I like parallels. that ending. It was fun. Mm-hmm. I like that we're still for 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 having essentially two hours worth of story that generally we've talked about are usually an hour and a half in the films in a in a movie. They've done enough. They padded it a little bit with that Richard Ramirez and. Uh, right. Margaret story, or, uh, uh, conversation, but uh, it's still pretty fun so far. Mm-hmm. So I think the two people we don't know where they're at when the season ends are. We don't know where Margaret currently is. And right. we don't know where... Birdie. We still don't know where Miss Chef Birdie is. Birdie's just chilling, smoking some weed. She's going to she's gonna step in and like hit someone over the head with a frying pan or something like that to save somebody yeah. and be like... She'll a, be a deus machina. <laughs> she's, yeah, exactly. That's what they're holding her out for right now. Um, <laughs> so question for you at this well at this point in time do you think that this entire season is going to take place in just one night i kind of hope so because i don't want the kids to show up <laughs> this doesn't seem like a safe place for them um there's a whole lot I of think... dead bodies on the grounds for that to happen at this yeah point in time. yeah so you're thinking like this is this like uh, 24 where each episode's an hour <laughs> i mean i'm trying to remember because we had the whole season preview last week and i don't think we see kids in it no, we don't. It still it looks like it's still taking place last like the, the the night we're the night of, and then we're getting the flashbacks to Mr. Jingles. Mm-hmm. So I, it could last. I don't know. I don't know. It'd be kind of fun if it just was one whole night because that would be more realistic with no opportunity to actually escape. It fits a lot of these there. movies. Yeah. 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 We also know. I mean, we also know that um, next. Ep- it looks like next episode continues in the same night as well yeah it picks up right where we left off we see the doors banging and we see people breaking through the windows so they're getting in and people running around again mm-hmm. i love that stuff though yeah so i think you know jumping off from here just looking forward we know we're gonna we're probably gonna have some kind of confrontation between night stalker and mr jingles seems like maybe there's more to mr jingles backstory than we realize seems like maybe margaret's more shady than we realize are we mm-hmm. suspicious of anybody else or anybody else's backstory? Think there's something else going on? I feel like we just we already kind of rooted out Brooke's dark secret in this episode, and we already kind of rooted out yeah. Xavier's dark secret in this episode. I think there's more to Brooke that that we'll learn. Um, Xavier doesn't seem like he has a lot much more going on now. He seems just kind of like a body to die. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Chet. I think we'll learn that he's gay because I think I remember seeing in the shower scene he was like staring at. Uh, Trevor's dong. I mean, Trevor apparently does have a. Uh, yeah, that being said, it could have been a very dong. non-sexual thing. It could just have been like a holy crap. That thing's <laughs> huge. Um, and then Ray, we don't. Ray seems like a nice guy, but there's got to be maybe something in there. Mm-hmm. And it's, and sorry, and uh, Rita, like she's. I don't know. There's we don't know. We don't know hardly anything about Rita. I also feel like yeah. there's things about Montana we don't know yet. She's kind of given hints yeah. about her past. I mean, she dropped the yeah. thing about the fat camp this episode and stuff like that. But it's not, yeah, I we'll feel learn like, more about them. Yeah, it Lord like knows we'll get 1,700 more flashbacks. So absolutely, absolutely. As long you know, if they're well done and they add to the story in a not self indulgent way, I'm I'm okay mm-hmm. with it. I prefer it again to bringing our actors back through paranormal means. <laughs> so. Yeah. We'll see. Um, two more things I noted in this episode. One is last the first episode we just had eighties reference after eighties reference. That was like 
like so many i remember i didn't we didn't get to mention them all but like eat my shorts and take a chill pill and like all this one tempered that a bit so it was more we're able to like kind of chill watch sit back and like watch the story unfold a little bit more um which i i definitely appreciated oh there was one other thing i was going to mention shoot i'm looking at my notes oh well Oh, yes. Um, the director for this episode is John J. Gray, and he's a first-time director for uh, American Horror Story and, like, first-time director for, like, well, he's done, like, three or four other shows, I think, but this first time he's done that. He's been a writer and producer on American Horror Story, and he actually got his start under Tim... Actually, I don't know if he got his start, but he used to... He has worked under Tim Minear, mm-hmm. who is... Uh, the writer for this episode, and also a uh, longtime writer for American Horror Story, and they worked together on, on I think, Angel back in the day. Interesting. Um, so it's nice to see someone come up and like get their shot at directing. And I thought the directing in this was good. It, they hit all the '80s classic spying from the woods killer shots. I do. Yeah, we got a little less of the first person cam this time. This than time we did. Yeah. In the in the. Well, and now it's interesting thinking about that because we always assumed it was. Uh, Mr. Jingles probably but it's now it could be Mr. Jingles it could be the Night Stalker it could be Birdie, Margaret. like Margaret We exactly we don't know who that perspective is we just know people are spying on everyone well and frankly that's the whole you know in these old movies that's the whole point of the yep. first person perspective you is you're not you, you know you don't find out who it is until the very end yeah so I take it back a little bit even though Mr. Jingles the real Miss or you know uh, Ben Richter doesn't wear a mask when he's doing his murders there are some murders that are done with his costume where we don't see the face so you know there could be like we we are theorizing uh, other killers out there right yeah i think that that's it's possible i it's definitely a possibility there's definitely there's definitely someone else doing something devious beyond just night stalker mr jingles i think is the one thing i can say for certain I've read some like way more theories like that are just like cuckoo, and there there's nothing that I think warrants even bringing them up yet until I see more evidence about them. Um, but there are people really stretching <laughs> to make things connect, uh, and I don't think that they're just that that dedicated to making them connect. <laughs> but there might be. I'll I'll let you know once I start if things start lining up better. I will uh, bring those theories up. Sounds good. I might press you on that a little bit after it's episode three when we get a better feel for everything yeah. that's going on here. So That's what I think, too. Uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and read this episode and wrap things up. Yep. I give it four ears. Four severed ears. I really liked it. I thought it was still fun. It was good. It kept my attention. Um, I, I like to mention, though, like I used to rank these based off of how scared I would get. I think if you're watching American Horror Story to get scared these days, that's just a lost cause. That's not what they're here for. There are moments of surprise, um, but they don't really dip too much into the like seasons one and two, Murder House and Asylum, where things were pretty scary and dark. This is kind of more fun, and you know, again, the horror story, the horror movies I watch on like Saturday or Sunday mornings when I wake up hungover. Um, this is my jam. So I, I liked it. The weird part we talked about was the uh, Night Stalker and Margaret conversation, but everything else I thought worked real well. So four, four severed ears for me. What mm-hmm. do you think? I think, you know, I agree with you on all fronts in regards to, like, I think they're doing a real justice so far to the 80s genre, and I appreciate that. Um, I do have, like... I do hope some of the weird time things are are intentional, as we've said before, because that's a little disorienting to like you know end on a cliffhanger, but then come back to not that cliffhanger. I don't know. That's that has me questioning things a touch. What were you gonna say? Um, did you watch True Detective season one? Yeah, I watched season one. Yeah. Time is a flat circle. <laughs> when they that yeah, is true. Anyway. <laughs> hmm. The th- so I'm gonna actually give this episode though three three point seven five, so an okay. ear, three ears and an ear that's missing an earlobe, and the reason for that is because I am nervous about the paranormal stuff. 
Mm-hmm. I wish they hadn't introduced it so soon. I do agree with you on that. It's kind of like, oh, come on, can we just have a regular show for at least four episodes before you start throwing the crazy shit in? I on it, I did think at the beginning of this episode that they were going to milk Brooks like backstory. Well, not her backstory, but her like blaming or like not not them not believing her because that's like a pretty oh, movie yeah. trope is like she thinks oh, people totally. are getting killed by some murderer and they're like oh no he's no just, one believes he's the protagonist yeah. right and it seemed like they were setting that up that maybe it was going to be a thing for longer but obviously after finding you know everyone finding Blake's head pinned to the bath or to the to the shower room people know that you know there are killers on the loose now so that. Yeah, That's ended pretty quickly. So it is moving at a faster pace than I expected, and it does lead me to wonder whether we are going to see kind of some kind of surprise twist uh, yeah. in the format of the season a la Roanoke. I, I don't know that I want that or not. We'll see. They've already done it, so I hope they don't do it, even though I loved Roanoke. Um, yeah, but I but, don't, uh, but don't I don't repeat think, it. Right. It would have to be something completely different. Um, and I kind of hope they don't. Still... I want to stay in the 80s, yeah. frankly. Well, we're kind of dealing with Violet. And the not knowing you're a ghost thing right now. Right. Yeah, yeah, seriously. So uh, we're back to, I think this is, that would make it seven and three quarters is our total ranking. So still Yeah, that's solid. not bad. That's still good. Still, we're doing all right. Yep. Still strong start. I'm still excited for next week. Um, I believe, uh, you know, for the preview, we get a little bit more backstory on Mr. Jingles. Um, back at the asylum, there's a pit with some very sharp sticks and someone falls in it. And uh, that's kind I'm of... I'm assuming that's... Jonas. It's kind of sort of like Jonas is in the pit too. Yeah, he's <laughs> just Jonas is going to be like the Toby of. <laughs> or maybe of her, maybe he'll season. like yeah. Well, interesting that he actually saved Brooke. Yeah, that's Cause, true. Because he kind of fell out of the woods to. I mean, I don't know whether that was At the right time, but it was. It worked out. Yeah. So anyway. Cool. Uh, looking forward to discussing this more next week as things unfold. Chris, where can people find you between now and then? Instagram and Twitter at Chris Husted, Chris with a K. How about you, Tyler? You can find me on Twitter at TJMoss11. As always, also you can continue the conversation with us at This American Horror Story um, on Facebook, on Gmail, uh, This American Horror Story at Gmail, and please rate us, review us on iTunes. We sincerely appreciate that. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening, and until next week, another week, happy hauntings. <laughs>